This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is episode 41. We are Grant, Danny, and Garrett, and the Nasser in action. Again, as we take a podcast, the weather wreaking havoc here in this final homestand on their plans. So now they've got a doubleheader today, Friday, as we record. They're down 2 nothing in the fifth inning. And we'll try to talk as little about this game as possible because we know you guys will be listening staggered over these several days ahead. But some big-picture Nats items to cover. Let's start with Mackenzie Gore. Despite all of the rehab assignments and all the work he was doing to try to get back to health so that he could pitch at the end of this season, the Nats were dangling a start in front of him like a carrot. They wanted him to have something to work toward, they said. They pulled the plug on Mackenzie Gore on Friday, uh, saying that he will not pitch here at the end of the year in the major leagues. Really disappointing. Uh, based, It sounds like, according to Davey at least, on the weather, there's just too much uncertainty, rain delays, starting, stopping potentially in these games with his arm, uh, and also uh, the fact that he just hasn't been able to build up to, to enough longevity into games where they could get him to go you know, five, six innings if they wanted to. So those two things combined, they're not going to have him pitch, but they feel really good about where his arm is at. He'll go into the offseason healthy and hopefully primed to, to be on the mound, start a spring training. I'm bummed about this. I get it. I, I'm not angry. I'm not shaking my fist at anything. I'm not calling anybody the mat. I'm just ticked off and a little bit sad about it. I just wanted to see him. I'm telling you, dude, I, I have over-talked about it on this podcast. I'm fully aware, and I understand that I'm opening myself up for mockery. I happen to be watching early in the season because I wanted to see the guy, right? I, I'd heard something about him. He was one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. When he started against the Cincinnati Reds, granted a team that wasn't very good, but he was so dominant. I'm t- it, it was one of those things where – you could put any number down if you're the catcher, and it would have been a great pitch. There was no wrong answer uh, when it came to pitch selection. He was ridiculous, and I've just wanted to see that again. I know he went through his his funk, elbow inflammation. We know the whole story, but I just kind of wanted to see that little taste, that one more glimmer of hope that you know gets people excited to go into spring training next year and about what the future within the next couple of seasons might actually end up holding. So, I, I, again, I understand. I'm not being critical of anybody. If it's you know if it's not prudent, it doesn't make sense. If you're not you feel like you're you're racing him back or, or rushing him or you're going to get him up and have to sit him down after like you know 10 15 pitches or throw his rhythm off or whatever it is man i understand i'm bummed about it though dude i, I think 
all of us that have followed this team that are still here, that are watching this 1 o'clock game, you know, as they're playing Philadelphia in front of tens of people, that are hoping it doesn't get rained out tonight. If you've made it this far, you deserve a cookie. That was going to be my cookie, was going to see Mackenzie Gore. Have it taken away. I'm just pumped about it. Yeah, so I would be angry. I would be mad if the weather was nice and they did this. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that this really is weather-related because there's not much worse than having a young arm getting jerked around by rain delays. You know, We've seen this a few times this year with Josiah Gray, even, who they're ultra-cautious with in these situations where he went out and he warmed up. I was at the Nats uh, ballpark one night. He was supposed to pitch, and then I'm sitting there, and Erasmo Ramirez walks out to take the ball, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. But I get it. You know, you don't want to mess with these arms and getting them hot and cold, and especially a guy who's been dealing with issues that have kept him on the shelf now for a couple of months. So no problem whatsoever with this if it is indeed based on the weather. If this was all along something that they talked about doing, hey, let's let him think he's going to start so that we make sure he gets – good work in rehabilitation-wise so that he grinds his way through four minor league starts. And then at the end, you know, if the time works out where we're into the final couple weeks, we'll just say, hey, we're not going to do this. Then I I don't like that nearly as much. But I I will uh, believe them when they say this is about the weather and and just not building him up as much as they would have liked. He made four starts at AAA. Mackenzie Gore pitched to a 5.25 ERA. The results weren't great. I mean, really, the story was, is he healthy? Uh, Is he able to uh, wake up and feel good and go about his life the next day without any discomfort? And supposedly he was. Uh, 12 innings and 16 hits, which is not ideal. Seven runs, that's where the inflated ERA comes from. Through 230 pitches, had a 320 average against. Uh, One good sign was that his walk rate wasn't that high. It was down... You know, around like three-ish. Wasn't like he was walking a ton of batters. But only nine strikeouts in AAA in those 12 innings. So a lot that he's going to want to do better and improve upon. He was just getting back, just getting his feet wet. And they might have even honestly been throwing him to the Wolves to have face a contending team with big power bats in the lineup like Philadelphia just so that we all got to see him. And that shouldn't be the goal either. You know, I I wanted to start more than anything else for Mackenzie Gore because of how much time he's missed and how hungry he's been. Remember, the day he got traded here in the Juan Soto deal from San Diego, you and I had him on the podcast, and right then and there, he was talking about trying to pitch pretty quickly and wanting to be back on the mound and helping this Nats team out at the big league level. And so this has been a goal of his since the day he got moved, and and I feel bad for him more than anything else. But to just rush him back so that you could say that he pitched once, it doesn't really put Triscuit crackers in anybody's stomach. Yeah, and Davey mentioned this. The players should want to play. Players should want to pitch. And Mackenzie Gore, this is per Davey, said that he wanted to show everybody why they traded for him. Right? You want to prove yourself. You go to an organization, you've been hyped in other places, and everybody's told you how great you are and everything else. And, you know, there's this natural sort of, What's all this hype about? What's all the attention for that you're going to, you know, sort of prove it to this new organization and crew of guys? And Davey told him, we know why we traded for you. You don't have to prove anything to us, dude. We we got Mackenzie Gore. We're excited about Mackenzie Gore. We're not going to rush this thing. We're, we're taking good care of you. But, I, I mean, listen, the, the, the profile of kind of that delivery, he's got that little bit of a, not, you know, you're, you may be too young for this, GP, but do you remember Rick Sutcliffe as a pitcher? 
Where he I would, know him as a broadcaster. Yeah, so as, as a pitcher, and, and Sutcliffe pitched for the Orioles and pitched for pretty much everybody at least one point, but he had this part of his delivery where he would tuck the ball behind his right butt cheek, really like overemphasizing, trying to coil and get back and hide the baseball, et cetera. Gore's got a little bit of that with his left-handed delivery. And it's again, it's not totally Sutcliffian, a word I just made up, but he's got some deception. There's a, you know kind of a high right elbow as he sort of hits it over the top. The uh, there's there's some Kershaw to his delivery as well, just in terms of where the arm slot is. There's just so much to like about how he throws the baseball, and you want him to be right. I mean, that's really what this is all about. This isn't about squeezing out another win or see if he can get to five innings in a in a, in a rain soaked game here post hurricane in, in uh, you know the first weekend in October. This is about having him for a handful of years be the leader of hopefully a, a you know a door opening for this organization to be good again. So that's the priority. Again, I'm just bummed about it. There's no other way around it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the spring for a lot of reasons, but he's right near at the top of the list. Uh, just to kind of run through the profile in a little more detail on Mackenzie Gore, 23 years old, was the number one prospect in the Padres system at one point. They drafted him third overall in 27, and by 2020, he'd become the best left-handed pitching prospect, and, and for a short time, the best pitching prospect in all the minor leagues. Uh, then he took a huge step back, interestingly enough, in the high minors to the point where there were plenty of people that just kind of completely cooled on him and decided that Mackenzie Gore wasn't going to be who we all expected. You know, an ace-type, front-of-the-rotation starter, elite-level arm at the big league level. And it was kind of interesting how quickly that happened and how that quickly that escalated. I remember talking to him and, and being around him at a Futures game. Uh, if you go back to the 2019 season, he had a 1.69 ERA in the minors, a 9-2 and two <clears> record. <throat> and in 20 starts, 100 innings, 135 strikeouts. It's kind of when he made himself into being one of the, the great prospects in the game. Then 2020, the pandemic year, he didn't pitch. 2021... Uh, he pitched at A plus, double A, triple A, kind of all the way up the, the system. Twelve starts and ERA in the upper threes, fifty innings, sixty one strikeouts, forty six hits. Again, had you know a lot of success, but you know not nearly the amount of success that previously we had seen. And the walk rate really jumped, and I think a lot of people were bothered by nine. But that's when people started to cool on him, and and that's just how fickle the prospect game is now. You love a guy one right. month, then he's not dominating, and you don't anymore. And the people that really liked him, I think, your Jim Callis's of MLB Pipeline, certainly all the folks in San Diego system, weren't worried. Um, but then you fast forward to 2022, uh, what he did in San Diego, while it was a mixed bag, uh, was really impressive. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, coming over to Washington, you got to see him pitch just these four times in AAA. But I thought this year was interesting, because if you, if you actually run through kind of the sample for him at the big league level this year, and you look at the game log, so to speak. Um, he started his season with three starts where he didn't give up more than two runs. Went five and a third, five and five innings in April against the Braves and the Reds twice, one of those games Danny referenced, where he struck out 10. And that was 15 and a third innings, 20 strikeouts, three runs. So in April this year, he was 2-0 and with a 1.76. And you're going, oh, my God. Like, the what? what is the limit of this dude? Is he a Cy Young candidate out of the gate? I mean, he looked incredible. Then May happened, and his May was even better. And he made five starts in May. He went five and two-thirds, one run at Cleveland. He went five innings, three runs at Chicago. He went three scoreless, came out of that game against the Phillies. 
Six innings, one run next time out at the Giants. And then he pitched against the Pirates, seven shutout with nine strikeouts. So in May, he had a 1.69 ERA. 26 innings, 27 strikeouts, and a 204 average against. Yeah, through nine starts, a 150 ERA. And at that time, not only was he one of the leaders in the league in almost every pitching category, but suddenly he looked like the ace he was always supposed to be. Then he dealt with some fatigue. His first start of June was excellent. Six shutout innings, 10 strikeouts. So that was his 10th start of the year. So as Danny mentioned, his ERA was down to 1-5. Then he got hit around June 11th. Against the Rockies, gave up six runs, knocked out in the third. Then he was at Coors Field, never a fun place to pitch. Four innings, nine hits, eight earnings. ERA had gone in two starts from 1-5 to 3-6. Then he went five shutout against the Phillies. But it was not long after that that he would have to succumb to the issues he was having. Five and two-thirds, one run against the Dodgers. Great start to July. Then he went three and a third, eight runs against the Giants. And then his next two outings were a combined two innings and four runs. And he just was feeling whatever was going on with that arm, with that um, injury. And so that was kind of the end of the road for him at that point. Profile to me is is really exciting. Um, I know when we talked to him, he he kind of poo-pooed his changeup and kind of what it was doing here of late. But I think that's what can make him really special. Great moment in podcast history. Yeah, it was pretty, it was really nice. I was complimenting it. And he's like, yeah, actually, it's been dog crap. And I was like, great. Okay, anyway, it's good to have you on. Danny was like, isn't that your best pitch? And he's like, actually, it's my worst pitch. He's like, I hate it. I hate throwing and I hate you. Um, but he's <laughs> mid-90s with his fastball, slider, and a curveball. I, I always think when a guy is fastball, slider, curveball, that inevitably sometimes, we see this with Josiah Gray sometimes, that slider and that curveball bleed into each other a little bit. You get slurves. Not that that's necessarily bad, but it's hard to keep a distinct pitch be- between those two all the time. It's such a uh, you know a tough field thing to do, and having that changeup to be able to go to, which is you know kind of plays in the mid-80s. Again, what I saw against uh, Cincinnati in that 10-strikeout start, he was using that to set everything else up. Guys were way behind that mid-90s fastball. Did you watch his start against Cincinnati? I know I've mentioned it, and I told you this would open myself up for criticism and The only and reason I even bring it up now is because you said this is going to open myself up to criticism, which I didn't understand why you said that. But now, obviously, I have to pounce on that as best I can. Well, of course you do. It's it's what we do here on this podcast. So, uh, fastball uh, velocity, 69th percentile. Yeah. Extension, 93rd percentile. Everything else and, is kind of ugly on the percentile. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about was the extension. Because I'm telling you, it, his his mid-90s fastball. Now, again, I, I'm I'm still enough to remember when mid-90s was a huge deal. Like when Mark Wohlers threw 95 and had no idea where it was going for the Braves, he was menacing. Now, again, soft-tossing lefties throw 95. It's unbelievable the velocity jump we've seen just within the last decade or so. But his mid-90s does not play like mid-90s. You, you can watch guys get uncomfortable with it. And... You know, I was going to ask you about spin rates, but I, I bet that extension part of it makes a lot of sense to me, just given you know how he's got. He's forty ninth percent spin rate, so literally smack dab in the middle of of pitchers. It's that I, I keep saying the same thing. It's it, it, the the right arm, the lead arm for his delivery. There's a little bit of that tilt that that comes up. And next thing you know, it's coming out of that same tunnel, that same shoot, and he's really getting good extension when he he fires that fastball. And if he can, you know, keep that slider playing off it, um, you've seen lefties with great success doing that very thing. I mean, Randy Johnson was more three quarters. You see Patrick Corbin closer over the top with his delivery. But if if those are your bread and butters, and you can throw a curveball to kind of get people off that, and that changeup can kind of get back into form, he can be incredibly effective. I'm telling you. So it's four pitches. It's the four seam fastball, which he throws the vast majority of the time. 
Curveball, he throws more than the slider, but he uses both breaking balls a bunch. Uh, really, the curveball, I'd say, more frequently against uh, right-handers. Barely ever throws the curveball, it seems like, to left-handers. And then he's got a slider that he'll use both against lefties and righties. And then his changeup, uh, which, again, Danny tried to tell him was his best pitch and compliment him on, and he told Danny to leave him alone. Uh, but He called me stupid and fat. The numbers aren't wrong. I'm with sure his eyes. Told, with his I'm eyes, sure he, he told did. you. On the phone, you saw his eyes. Yeah. Like, you could tell that's what he thought of me. Fastball, 94.7. Curveball, 81 miles an hour. Slider, 87 miles an hour. Changeup's 85. On the changeup this year, by the way, uh, let's see. What are we looking at? We're looking at a batting average against of uh, 333. That's why he doesn't like it very that's much. That's why I didn't like it. Uh, three for nine, I think. But the X batting average was 213. But his batting average against this year, 230 on his fastball, 250 on the curveball, 285 on the slider, 333 on the uh, changeup. So I, I guess those results are probably uh, where some of his frustration with that pitch comes from. But I'm with you. I think it's a, a better pitch than he made it seem like that it was. But we'll see what happens now as he gets back to the drawing board, man. I'm also curious to see how his season plays out being in Washington as opposed to being at Pepco Park. I just called it Pepco. I'm sure it's Pepco. Uh, Petco Petco. Park in San Diego. Not a massive difference, I wouldn't think, but I will tell you that at Petco Park, um, he would have had eight expected home runs allowed and at Nats Park, six. So it's a slightly friendlier confines, I would say. A little bit of a better situation for him. I mean, he could, you know, ideally, best case scenario for him, like this year he would have given up five home runs if all of his game were at PNC Park. But Nats Park, kind of friendly. He's pitching for the Mets, he's given up eight. The Rangers, he's given up eight. So uh, I, I think you know, getting traded here, you know you're going to be an anchor in this rotation. You know you're going to get a chance every fifth day. The rebuilding team, they're not going to jerk you around. And if everything works out, I mean, he really has a chance. Him and Cavalli and Gray interchangeably let them compete, see who co- goes where. I, I would say likely, though, because of his experience, you know, he could be their best young starter next year. Cavalli and Gray battling for the two and the three. You know, Cavalli certainly has more upside. Gray just had a full season, maybe benefits from that, really struggled second half of the year. And we'll see if he can finish strong after a really good outing the other day. But those three guys give you a whole lot of hope that you have a foundation for a rotation now moving forward. Yeah, it changes your your island, your profile a little bit, right? You, you, now you're a veteran starter away. You know, you, you got to keep sending Patrick Corbin up because the outrageous amount of money that he's getting and maybe this September renaissance is the real one. I don't know. But you can envision a rotation now, right, where Corbin, you're five, somebody that's competent that can get you 160 innings as, as your four. Maybe it's Eric Fetty again. I don't know. Again, I'd like to do better than that to try to compete, but maybe you just got to wear it for one more year until you think that big three that you just mentioned gets through a 162 campaign and then kind of is ready to lead a, a rotation and lead a team in, in, in a competing uh, into October as, as the division is going to be really good. So maybe you bide your time a little bit. Depends how they want to play that. But, yeah, I, I mean, think of the beginning of this year. We're going, Josiah Gray, that's fun. And I guess what else? Whenever Steven Strasburg pitches, it's Eric Fetty, it's Anibal Sanchez, it's Mr. Hit Around, Patrick Corbin. Uh, now you got those three names at the top, and you could do a lot worse if you're kind of doing a I'd like to be pretty good pretty soon starter kit. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
A couple of things on the other players in that deal before we move on. I'm sure you guys saw that C.J. Abrams had his first game-winning walk-off hit of his career. He did it against the Braves to put the exclamation point on a three-hit game. We talked a lot about C.J. Abrams on the last episode of Boston Loose Baseball. So if you want some detailed thoughts and a detailed breakdown on the San Diego to Washington trade edition, the 21-year-old shortstop left-handed bat, uh, go back and listen to our last pod. Last seven games for him, Danny. Ten for his last 25 at the plate, hitting 400. Uh, and in the month here, it's it's been a really strong September. I mean, he's gotten comfortable in the field, obviously. But how about a 307 average and a 725 ops in the month of September for C.J. Abrams, who's moved up in the order now? Great moment. Uh, great. That's probably the wrong term. An excellent teachable moment for Abrams the other night, right? You mentioned the game-winning hit. In that same game, he does not leg out a ground ball out of frustration and would have been safe if he had gone full bore because he's lightning fast. That's one of those, okay, now I know, right? That's I my assets are what? I'm not he, you know, if he's if he's a, you know, Luke Voigt who's here to hit home runs and and show his chest hair, I forgive you for going 75% down the line. Your asset is your speed. Your ball and play skill is your is your best thing, right? So you can't afford that. That's not who you are. You don't get to be frustrated and, and you know loaf it down to first. He gets that lesson, later is able to come back and provide the game-winning hit. I love those kind of moments for a guy that should be a junior in college right now. That's, that's so good. It's the whole point of these September call-ups for teams that have lost over 100 games already. It's the whole exercise. It's why they're playing these good teams that are in these really competitive games. For them, it matters a ton for those guys, and you sort of see the intensity that's needed. It's kind of the learning experience element of things that we talked about uh, on the last podcast. So, yeah, it, it's good to see. You and I talked, you you and I hammered this, and I think we were dead on. His comically low batting average on balls in play was unsustainable, especially someone that's that fast. He, the hits are starting to fall in. He looks the part, though. He looks comfortable at the dish. And, you know, where this ultimately goes in terms of him and his power stroke, is he going to be a, a doubles guy? Does he, does he end up with 20 home runs at any point in his career? I don't know, and I, I probably, if I was to bet, I'd bet against it because it's hard to do. Not that many guys do it, especially with his kind of body type. But I think the fact remains, I think that guy can pick it at shortstop. So at a minimum, you've got a bottom of the order, occasional spark plug right back there that can play a good defensive shortstop. But I think at maximum, this can be a good hit tool player that may not be your prototypical leadoff, right, in terms of getting on base at a 40% clip, but he can be someone that can you know, wreak some havoc. And if you want to, on a good lineup, hitting him ninth, for example, if a team was good, I'd love to have him kind of as my 1A leadoff hitter, where now all of a sudden my 1-2 in my order are my middle-of-the-order bats trying to drive him in because he's on first, stolen second, as a threat to go to third, infield has to play him in a different way. I think especially next year, too, and, and beyond, the elimination of shifts might also help him tremendously. I mean, think about where guys have to position themselves uh, when he's up there, just spraying ground balls. You get beat on a ground ball, it's still base hit opportunity for him, whereas it's not for you know kind of regular mortals without that kind of speed. So it's been fun to watch him, man. It's it's cool to, 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 to tune in each and every afternoon or evening, whatever it is, and watch that guy do something that reminds you of why he's exciting. 